You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. everybody to the tell it abs it is podcast on the hockey podcast network we've got another serious episode today as the avalanche have their season pushed to the brink by the vegas golden knights in game five with game six coming up on thursday but first before we jump into that a word from our sponsor DraftKings sportsbook DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook to use, but it is also America's top-rated sportsbook, and it's really no mystery as to why. It's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and has nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action for just about any sport you can think of. And if you're looking to get in on the action, listen to this new offer from DraftKings Sportsbook. They are putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. All you have to do is pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Before we get into anything else, I'm going to lay down the law here. The Colorado Avalanche are going to win Game 6 on Thursday. They are. They're going to win Game 6 on Thursday, and we're going to go to a Game 7. What happens then? Can't tell you. Game 7, hockey's stupid, anything can happen. But the Avalanche are going to win Game 6 in Vegas, and there's going to be a Game 7 back in Colorado. You know, I'm not afraid to say that. I've had pretty much all day to think about this game. I've had time to sleep on it had time to just sit and think about it, and as much as I was pretty heartbroken last night, felt like I got punched in the gut, as I'm sure a lot of you did, after Mark Stone scores the game-winning goal in overtime for the Golden Knights, I it took a while to get to sleep after that, because that sucked. That's That was one of the most painful losses in a long while. Honestly, like, second only to the Dallas Game 7 loss from last season. But this one is just... Ah. Ouch. 2-0 lead, third period, less than five minutes into the third, it's 2-2. You play great all game, probably 55 minutes, I would say, the Avalanche were the better team, and in the five minutes that they weren't, Vegas scored three goals. It sucks. 
That game sucked. They played well. They deserved a better fate. But that's what happens in the playoffs. I mean, that, honestly, that's really our first taste of it, of playing better than the other team and losing so far this postseason. And it's ironic that it comes in the second round in Game 5 because we've either dominated and won or just gotten outright beat by Vegas so far. But I'm glad I didn't record this last night. This would have been way more droopy and frustrated, and I'd feel a lot more down, and I wouldn't be spreading the message that I want to spread on this show. Because I've had time to think about it, and re-watching the game, watching the highlights, looking at the stats, and just looking deep into myself, I'm still in. I still believe in this team. I still think they can get it done. I mean, if nothing else, history suggests that between these two teams, this series is at very least going seven. If history of both of these teams suggests anything, the Avalanche are going to win in Vegas and we're going back to Colorado for a seventh game. But before we dive too deep into that conversation, let's look at the actual game itself. The Avalanche lose 3-2 to two in overtime. They blow a 2-0 lead in the third period and lose 50 seconds into overtime. The Avalanche were the better team in this game unequivocally. They, I, Like I said, 55 minutes here, I think they were the better team. And the five minutes that they weren't, Vegas scored. They took advantage of some brain-dead plays bad turnovers, and took advantage of basically every single one of them. But coming into this game, Bednar goes with a bit of a different lineup. Logan O'Connor comes back finally. He plugs right back into the lineup, as well as Alex Newhook, which I love. Newhook and O'Connor on the fourth line makes this the ideal offense. This is the best possible version of this offense, Sands without being Nazem Kadri. Kadri's back. Those two guys being in the lineup makes for the best possible roster for this team. But without Kadri for the situation that we're in, I think we are icing the best offense that we can. But that's not it. Brandon Saad moves up to the top line with McKinnon and Rantanen, and Landeskog goes down to the second line, and he really gets matched up with the Mark Stone and Pacioretty line to take them off the top line because they have shut them down a lot. And quite honestly, I liked all of those moves. Brandon Saad has been the team's best player on offense, essentially. He's scored a goal in basically every single game of this series, and we can talk more about it later, but Brandon Saad has to come back. Regular season, be damned, this guy is a playoff warrior. He just knows how to get shit done in the playoffs. Also, Landeskog bumped down to the second line. I've really got no issue with that. I think I think it was good because the top line wasn't working, and it's fine to spread your talent around a little bit, and it rewards Saad for his spectacular play as of late. So getting to the game itself, the Avalanche finally did not come out and play a shitty first period. They actually looked like they belonged on the same ice as Vegas. This game goes back and forth for a little while, kind of fluctuates a bit. Avalanche take control for a bit. Sometimes Vegas takes a bit of control. Capped off with the first goal of the game, courtesy 
by none other than Brandon Saad, who snipes one past Marc-Andre Fleury, who I'm not, I'm not quite sure what Fleury was doing on this play. He, like, reaches across his body with the glove and completely misses the puck. It goes right past him, and with .8 seconds left in the first period, the Avalanche have a one to nothing lead in a period that was, for all intents and purposes, pretty equal. Vegas gets a power play just before the halfway point on a weak Miko Rantanen call. He, like, knocked the stick out of Fleury's hands, but whatever. Not going to blame the refs for anything here, especially since as the last penalty called on the Avalanche in this game. Refs are a whole nother matter in this game because they called two penalties the entire game. That one on Rantanen and a delay of game on Vegas in the third period. So they stayed out of the game for better or worse. They certainly missed a lot of calls, but at least it was fair, I guess. I mean, if that's the standard that we're setting officiating to, as long as it's fair, then you know what? Whatever. I'm not going to complain about it at this point. Second period, I thought was pretty solid for them. They, Nathan McKinnon, like he, God, Nathan McKinnon, he, like, he has just been getting ripped apart by everybody, mainstream media, local media, fans. And I got to be honest, I liked how he played in this game. I liked McKinnon in this game, and he just couldn't find the back of the net. This second period was really good by him. He looked like... He looked like he wanted to lead this team to a win. He was flying, he's creating scoring chances, but he just couldn't find the back of the net or even set someone up to find the back of the net. And the Avalanche, they had plenty of opportunities in this period. Tyson Jost was robbed by Flurry. They continue to keep on the pressure, and they do eventually get a goal. This one from Jonas Donskoy, set up by Alex Newhook. Never take him out of the lineup again, please. And it's now two to nothing, Avalanche near the end of the second period. Again, please never take Alex Newhook out of the lineup ever again. This kid is a monster, and he deserves to stay in the lineup every single night. He is a regular from here on out. This is not up for debate. He is very, very good. Carl Soderberg or Kiefer Sherwood do not do anything. And funny enough, too, Patrick Nemeth, who remained in the lineup after his horrid Game 4 performance for God knows why, gets a secondary assist on this goal just because hockey or something. This sport's just dumb. Nemeth gets a point on the play. It's 2-0 Avalanche going into the third period. And this is pretty much where the game starts because nothing before that point even matters. Less than two minutes in, Alex Tuck makes it a one-goal game off of a terrible turnover from Andre Burakovsky, and the, the entire game shifts right there from that Burakovsky turnover. He is way too cute with the puck. All he needs to do is ring it around the boards. He, like, tries to be fancy with it for some reason, and it gives the Golden Knights all of the confidence that they need. Three minutes later... Vegas ties the game. Gabriel Landeskog puts a puck right onto the skate of Ryan Graves. Vegas takes it the other way. Ryan Graves deposits it into a wide-open net off a beautiful puck movement, and we're tied already. Like, 
it like they just found a way to get this game tied the avalanche did they found a way somehow to get vegas back into this game burakovsky turnover is unacceptable he's been utterly brutal the entire playoffs he's got a couple points none of them goals and he has a lot more mistakes than he has positives which is immensely disappointing with how much talent he has and how much we need to rely on him in the playoffs sometimes because so like last year the playoffs were his thing he was fantastic in them and he makes another brain dead play here leads directly to an alex tuck goal vegas all of a sudden puts the pressure on and then you have the Landeskog play. It's, it's not a good pass. It goes through Comfer and hits Graves in the skate, and it leads to a three-on-two the other way. And, it, like, it, they, that stuff just can't happen. Simple as that. Like, you just can't do any of that. Or this is exactly what's going to happen. I mean, these were, like, the first real good chances that Vegas had in the entire game. And then they they go in the net. The Avalanche played better the entire game up to that point. And the first opportunities that Vegas has goes into the net. And I'm not blaming Grubauer at all whatsoever for those. He had no real shot on either of them. It's just, you play so well for so long in this game, you make two mistakes and they both end up in your net. It's heart-wrenching honestly and the avalanche they didn't stop playing well after this like the first 10 minutes of the third was vegas's i would say i'd say maybe it went more back and forth but i'd say it leaned vegas not nearly as dominant as like a game three or four the avalanche they get their only power play of the game about halfway through the third period they don't really do anything with it but they still are producing chances Tyson Jost is a centimeter away from roofing a puck past Marc-Andre Fleury and the game goes to OT tied at two with a 3-2 series lead on the line and I was buckling up for a long overtime in this one I really was I thought we were due for a a very long overtime after the game two OT, and I could not have been more wrong. The Avalanche almost won it even earlier than Vegas did. JT Comfort with a beautiful rebound chance, and all he has to do is pick a side of the net, and he has a very good chance at scoring, but he just puts it in, puts it right into the chest of Marc-Andre Fleury. He makes the save, and this this play from Ryan Graves... He takes a shot, gets blocked, gets it back, takes another shot from the point that gets blocked. Vegas springs Mark Stone the other way. He puts a snipe over the glove of Philip Grubauer, pretty much top shelf. Vegas wins 50 seconds in, 3-2, to two, and lead the series 3-2. to two. This is the, It's a bad play from Ryan Graves. He took eight shots in this game. Seven of them were blocked. Two of them came right here. And the first block wasn't bad. He got the puck right back. Can't be bad. But then he decides to do the same thing again. And then there's nobody back. Stone has a head of steam. Like, sure, like you'd want Grubauer to make that incredible glove save, but that's a perfect shot. Like, for that kind of rush, that's a perfect shot. And the game ends right there with the Avalanche blowing a 2-0 lead. And now have to go to Vegas for Game 6 with 
their entire season on the line. If they lose this one, this series is over. You know, and I, I think they can get the job done in Vegas. I liked their game in Game 5. If they just clean it up a little bit, they win that game. Just a little bit. Burakovsky just clears that puck out of the zone. Landeskog just puts that puck three inches to the right. We're talking about a regulation win, and we're going to Vegas with a chance to knock them out. But that's not that didn't happen. So... I mean, that loss was painful. Like, if you saw my reaction after the game, it's like I I felt like I got punched in the gut. Like, first of all, for the overtime to end that quickly, like, I was buckling myself in for, like, a, a solid double overtime. And for that one to end 50 seconds in off of just another dumb play by Graves. I mean, th- the fact that he thought he could get away with those shots again is just ridiculous and he paid for it it's just a it's been a rough series for ryan graves to say the least but you know we we stole game two we dominated game one and that bought us enough breathing room to have two shitty games and have a game stolen from us at home we're not done yet there's still Two more games left to be played. I mean, minimum one, but we're going to win game six in Vegas. There's a game seven coming up on Saturday. I'm going to come out and say it right now. They're going to win in Vegas. If they played like they played in game five, they're going to take that one. If you get one goal from McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, if you, if you just get a goal set up by Nathan McKinnon or a goal from McKinnon himself, you are going to win the game. And also, Andre Burakovsky. This is his time to shine. He has been shit all playoffs. He played like shit yesterday. He has gotten the reputation over the last two years as being one of the best elimination game players in the NHL. Literally has better numbers than Justin Williams in elimination games. We saw it last year against Dallas down... 3-1, to one, he put up a goal in, I believe, every single game. Especially that Game 7, he opens the scoring. He's been without a goal these entire playoffs. He's got three assists, I believe. Nothing, like, crazy. Not like not like they came at super important times. Like, the one, there's one I can think of off the top of my head, the Brandon Saad goal against St. Louis. But... This is his time to shine. Burakovsky, I think, needs to be playing for his job on this team because there are expensive contracts coming up this offseason, and if we lose this series and Burakovsky goes through the entire playoffs, which would be at minimum 10 games without a single goal, then I think we do have to question what are we doing here. Is there a way we can upgrade this position? No, there's only one year left on his deal, and... He was fine in the regular season. I wouldn't say he was remotely bad. He had his stretches, but not what you want from him. You wanted him to be a lot better, especially in this series against Vegas. You need him to be a lot better. You can't have him just being a a non-option out there, turning over pucks. Like, if Burakovsky had, like, two goals in this series or something, you know, I'd be a lot less harsh on him than I am right now because he makes mistakes. He's a... He gets in his own head a lot, but 
to not have anything is incredibly disappointing. And the Avalanche have not had their backs against the wall the entire playoffs. And when Washington had their backs against the wall, Burakovsky came through for them a couple times. When we had our backs against the wall last year against Dallas, Burakovsky came through. So now if he doesn't put up a goal, and I'm specifying goal, or at least like a two-point game, then I think you might have to question what we're doing here with him. Because with Sampo Ranta already making his debut in the league, I think faster than anybody anticipated, and with the McCarr deal expiring, and Landis Gog's going to need a new deal, and now you have to re-sign Brandon Saad, if Burakovsky doesn't show up in these final games, there are going to be players this offseason that are going to get squeezed out, and he might have to be one of them if he doesn't come through here. So he needs to play this game 6-7 and seven, like his job is on the line, because I think it might have to be. He has to come through here. And I'm, just, I'm picking on him because there's nothing that he has done that has excused a lot of the plays that he's made in this series. Just chief among them. That turnover early in the third that led to the Alex Tuck goal. Like, you're not making any sort of an impact. The only impact you're having on this team is negative. It's turnovers leading to goals. If you don't make that play, the Avalanche win this game. We go to Vegas up 3-2. to two. It starts all that momentum the other way. Just, now you have to make up for it. You have to make up for it. He hasn't been good. He needs to be better. And a lot of the focus is on Nathan McKinnon, and rightfully so. He is clearly in his own head right now. And again, I feel like I'm in the minority. I liked his game in here. I feel like he was really close to getting a point or a goal. And I think in game six, he's going to break through. But if if he doesn't, it's going to be a long offseason for him, a long offseason of conversation. He has to come through in these final few games. We're not going to win without him. I believe he's going to come through. That's why I'm making the prediction that we are going to win. But he needs to come through. He's been... Has he been pointless since the overtime of Game 2? I don't think he's gotten anything since then, since setting up Rantanen for the OT winner. He needs to be better. Yes, I understand Mark Stone's on him the best defensive forward in the NHL. He'd get my Selkie vote. He's a Selkie nominee. I think he's going to win it. And yes, he's getting three guys on him at all times, and I, I understand all of that. But then you got you got to find a way to adjust. you got to get that puck off your stick. you gotta, you got to figure something else out. And it, it doesn't help that Vegas, every time he gets ahead of Steen, just turns into Paul Bunyan and starts lumberjacking the guy. But you got you got to find a way. If you're the best player in the world right now in the playoffs, you have to find a way. All the best players can do it. You have to find a way to break through. And yeah, going to Vegas is going to be a challenge. That barn is going to be rocking. Vegas is going to have a lot of energy. You're just going to have to find a way to get it done. There's no other way to go about it. Vegas found a way to win somehow in Colorado. Now you have to do the same. I mean, I really classify this more as an avalanche loss than a Vegas win this game five. I don't I don't know how you could say otherwise. The avalanche gave this game away. And really, I'm less angry at this one than I am about games three and four because they 
you had it. It was right there, and you gave it away. But for fuck's sake, you played really well. And if you just clean up your game a little bit, you're going to win. You're going to win game six. If they played the way they played in game five with improvements to just the mental capacity not being stupid, then they will win the game. And you know, what I was saying earlier about the history of these two teams suggests that there is at least going to be a Game 7. Vegas, over the last three seasons, ever since they went to the Cup Final, is 3-8 and eight when they have had a chance to move on. Ever since they went to the Cup Final, they blew a 3-1 lead to the Sharks, so that counts as 0-3. Then in the bubble, they were up 3-0 against the Blackhawks. They lost game four. They won game five. They went one and one. Against Vancouver, they were up 3-1. That series goes seven. They went one and two. And now this season against Minnesota, they were up 3-1. That series goes seven. They went one and two. So Vegas has had trouble putting teams away over the last few seasons. And you look even just in the bubble, like the Blackhawks, you couldn't finish out the, the Blackhawks in a Game 4. And Vancouver, yes, I know Thatcher Demko stood on his head in that series, but that series went 7, are you serious? Vancouver had no business being in that series. And then Minnesota, like you couldn't put Minnesota away. And like, yeah, Minnesota was good in those last few games, but they just, they just struggle a bit with putting teams away. And the Avalanche have done well with their backs against the wall since 2019. You know, you, you, can, you can even lump 2018 into this conversation, just for the sake of arguing. Ever since this team started making the playoffs, we can say they've done all right with their backs against the wall. They won Game 5 in Nashville, and just the wheels came off at home. That's 1-1. One and one. The next season, against the Sharks, they're down 3-2. to two. They win that overtime game at home. They force a Game 7, but they lose that Game 7. They're 1-1. One and one. Next season, they're down 3-1 to Dallas. They win two games. They lose game seven. That's 2-1. and one. History suggests that this team, when their back is against the wall, can win at least one game. That's it. Just one, at least one game, and get it to a winner-take-all. And if they get it to a winner-take-all, none of those games have been in Colorado. And Vegas and Colorado have two of the best home records in the NHL. If you win one in Vegas... I really like your odds in a Game 7. So just, just looking purely at the history of these teams and looking nothing into this series, history suggests Vegas has trouble closing out a series and Colorado has a hard time being put away in a series when their back is against the wall. So I think they do it. I like the way they played in Game 5. And... You're going to get a lot of answers about this team over the next two games. I think you got a few answers tonight, or not tonight, the yesterday. They responded well to adversity, but they just couldn't finish the job. And now, there's, there is no more room for those mistakes. You've used up all your possible leeway in this series. If you fuck up again, it is over. You know, And there's a lot on the line here. If you lose four straight to Vegas and go out in six this season, like I said last episode, that conversation is going to begin. Fickle as it may be, it's going to begin. 
is that this team just can't get out of the second round. I mean, I've said this at the beginning of the season, that that conversation would begin if they don't get out of the second round, and it's going to. No, you're going to go from being the eight seed two years in a row and even getting out of the first round as an eight seed two years ago to now just two years later, this team can't get out of the second round. Like, those are the same thing. I'm, I'm, already, I'm already prepping myself for that conversation. Like, losing game seven as an eight seed to the Sharks is remotely the same thing as losing a game seven to Dallas with your third string goalie and hypothetically losing to the second best team in the NHL. They just, they just can't do it. This core. You've you already seen it. Like, oh, fire Bednar. He can't finish the job. This team can't get it done. You, you're already seeing it from people that have given up on the team. And you know what? It's easy to be optimistic about the team when from day one of the season, you are the odds-on favorites to win the Stanley Cup. We've never not been odds-on favorites to win the Stanley Cup, except now. This is the first time all season that the Avalanche are not the odds-on favorites to win the Stanley Cup. All the models, I mean, it's hard to be when you're down 3-2 in a series in the second round and you've got three teams that have moved on already, but this is the first time we haven't been Cup favorites all season. You know, and it's a little bit of a wake-up call. I mean, obviously, being down three, I mean, like, for us, not for the team. For fans, it's a little bit of, like, a... A wake-up call because you've just gotten so used to it that like seeing the numbers actually be against you is like oh fuck this is really happening isn't it and you know what maybe that's just what we need maybe that's just what we need maybe I don't know maybe just the there's the curse of Stanley Cup odds or something but you know this is what true adversity looks like you know losing a game in Vegas losing two games in Vegas even like that's not really classified as adversity in the playoffs. You lose games, you lose back-to-back games in the playoffs sometimes. Absent. You're back against the wall, that's adversity in the playoffs. And to win the Stanley Cup, you need to have those moments. I mean, really, Tampa last year is just such an exception because they never really... I don't think they were ever trailing outside of after Game 1 against Dallas in the final. I don't think they were ever trailing in a series. Actually, no, they lost first game to Boston, but like... That's it. After game two of every series, it was at least tied every single time. They, I think they were like the least tested Stanley Cup champs in a good way. That's just how good they were last year in the bubble. But looking back on the last several Stanley Cup champions, I mean, St. Louis played two game sevens to win the Stanley Cup against Dallas, against Boston. I mean, a game seven for the Stanley Cup after losing on home ice, is adversity. Like, crazy respect to the Blues for getting that done. The year before, the Caps were trailing in every single series that they played. They started the the playoffs down 0-2 to Columbus, and they blew Game 1 to Pittsburgh. And what do you know against Tampa Bay? They won the first two games. They lost the next three. They rallied back to win the next two. It can be done. You know, in Pittsburgh, like, I don't know about adversity for the 2017 run. They kind of walked Columbus. They staved off the Caps. They, I guess they struggled against Ottawa, and they kind of made they made work in Nashville in a respectable series. So maybe they're not the best example there. 2016, I think, was even more dominant when I think about it. But 
again, they had their moments where they had to struggle through things. Like 2015, the Blackhawks, like Game 7 against the Ducks. And that was a pretty fun cup run to watch. But the Kings, 2014, down 0-3 in the first round of the Sharks. They had to overcome that. So the point I'm getting at here is that just because our backs are against the wall does not mean that this season is automatically done and that the, the Stanley Cup hopes are over. This happens. Champions have their backs put against the wall. And if this team is the champions that we've all believed that they would be at the end of the season, they can come back from this. And that's where I'm going to pull my optimism from, is that I still believe in this team. I still believe in the talent that is here. I still believe in the team that I watched for 56 games play and play well against St. Louis last series and come out strong against Vegas in this series. I still believe in that team. I'm going to put my money on Nathan McKinnon. I'm still going to bet on Miko Rantanen. I'm going to bet on these guys to have enough talent and fortitude, having been there before and having suffered these heartbreaking losses to figure it out. And you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. But what's the point in being pessimistic right now? There is no point. You might as well just go into these games with high hopes. And if you're crushed, you know what? That's just, it comes with the territory of being a fan. It wouldn't it wouldn't be fun going into these elimination games just like, yeah, we're fucked. We're going to lose. And then being pleasantly surprised when they, if they win. There's no fun in that. Like, we've I've invested a lot of time in this team. I'm not just going to quit on them now. I still believe they can get it done. I liked what I saw for 55 minutes in Game 5. Vegas is vulnerable. They're not this group of Terminators that everybody makes them out to be. They make a lot of mistakes. Marc-Andre Fleury is very, very human. He made, He's made a lot of mistakes in this series. Like He's not this invincible brick wall entering the GOAT conversation flurry that NBC and Twitter makes him out to be sometimes. That first goal against Saad in Game 5 sucked. I would be piling on Grubauer if he let that puck in, if, if, if the roles were reversed. So flurry has been vulnerable, very, very vulnerable in this series. Yes, he's made great saves. I'm not saying he's been bad. I'm saying he's been beatable. And, like, there's also the... Like, we've talked a lot about parallels to the 2001 team. I mean, this is pretty much the parallel right now. If the, if they actually come back in this series down 3 to 2, that gets a little scary, doesn't it? The parallels of this team, President's Trophy winners sweeping the Blues, coming back from 3-2 down like there's some there'd be some scary parallels there. But you know what? It can be done. The Avalanche organization did it 20 years ago. Capitals did it against the Lightning last season. It looked like they were going to be down and out against Tampa, who was a very, very good team that season. They found a way to rally back and win it. And it's going to be a very important first period in Game 6 against Vegas. You have to take control early. And, like, and we did that in Game 4. We shut them down early. We got the first goal, and then he had that stupid fucking play by Nemeth that completely blew that game from there. But... You have to take control early. You have to put that seed of doubt in their mind. Like, if you go in there and you're up 2 to nothing in the first period, you're planting that doubt in them because they've done this before. They have struggled in the past with putting teams away. If you put that seed of doubt in them, they will falter. 
You have to play your own game in this game. You cannot go out there gripping your sticks. Like, you have to go out there and play like you are the best team in the league because you were in the regular season. You have to still have that belief in yourself. You have to still believe that we're not going to play Vegas. Vegas is going to play us in these games, and they have to finish us. If they, if Vegas manages to finish us in this game or in Game 7, they're going to have to put forth a Herculean effort to kill this team. That's the mindset you should be taking into the game. There needs to be no fear. You need to go out there and lay it all on the line. And if you do that, if the Avalanche go out there and lay it all on the line, then they will win. I've said it for months. When they play their best, they will not lose. And I still do not feel invalidated in that statement because I've seen it if anything, proven in this series. When they don't play their best, they lose. When they do play their best, they win. And now Game 5, it was really good. I wouldn't say it was their best. Vegas also played really fucking well. I mean, it's. I think it might be just that one exception of you made three stupid mistakes and they ended up in the back of your net because Vegas was also having a really good game. If we win that game, we're looking back at that game like it's a classic a total, total classic, and just a win to be cherished for history. But now we're going to have to do that again in game six and seven. You know, and like I was saying, champions have these roadblocks sometimes. And then when you lift the Stanley Cup a few a few months later, you look back on that like, wow, this, is a sp- this was a special team to overcome that. But at the end of the day, There is nothing that I can say or nothing that you can say or anyone in the media or any fan can say that changes anything. They have to go out there and get that result. My belief means nothing if they don't back it up. I have no impact on the game. Nobody does. The only people that can go out there and make that a reality is them. They came close in game five. They blew it on stupid mistakes. They have to go and take it back now. You know, like, it's the playoffs. It's never easy, and it is never going to be easy. You know, it was, it was cute, like, last week. We were up 2 to nothing. We are like, oh, what if we sweep Vegas? Oh, we're, we've got the Canadian division next. Is 16-0 and a possibility? Like, it was a fun little conversation, but he, welcome to read. This is the reality of it now. We have to overcome some real adversity and recover from that punch to the gut in game five and go out there and just find a way to get it done because Vegas found a way to get it done and now it's up to you. This is going to have to be your last stand. If they go out there in game six and they play well and Vegas just plays better, you lost to a better team and that sucks at the end of the day. But it's better than going out there and pulling a Leafs and just laying an egg in an elimination game. You gotta push in all your cards to the table. You've gotta leave everything out there because if you don't, there is going to be no tomorrow, and you're gonna have to suffer through a long off season, and you're not gonna get another opportunity to take this back for another nine months or ten months. Playoffs start in April, not March. Did my math wrong there? Tip: Do not do math on the show; it never works. But anyway, you're gonna. Go 10 months without having an opportunity to take this back. Probably 11 months, considering when the second round usually starts and ends in a normal season. 
which is usually around early May. So 11 months from now, you're not gonna you're gonna have to live with this until then, until you have another opportunity to take it back. So you're here in the moment right now. This is your opportunity to rewrite a lot of that narrative right now because the conversation has already kind of begun. This is your opportunity right now, especially if you're you're Nathan McKinnon. I think there's a lot of a legacy talk on the line here. Like this now becomes Nathan McKinnon's avalanche can't get it done. The series isn't done yet. You can still go out there and rewrite a lot of that narrative. I think they can do it. I'm confident that they can do it, and I'm going to put money on the game, and I'm st- I'm going to put money on them to win the series and win the cup. Now that the now that the odds are better, because I still believe in this team. And if you don't, I mean that's up to you. But I don't know what to tell you. You don't have to watch. You know, it's easy to be optimistic and be like this team's going to win a cup when they are they win. 18 games in a row and they're on a ridiculous point streak and they don't lose a game in the entire month of May. They lose one game in that entire month and sweep the Blues and win 7-1 in game one. You know, it's easy at that point to be like, wow, I love this team and I believe in them. You got to suffer through the losses too. And I'm not admitting defeat on this team until they are done and we have no more Avalanche games to talk about. I believe in them. I think they are going to get it done. And they are going to win Game 6, and there will be a Game 7 on Saturday. Now, the thing is about this episode is that regardless of what happens, this is the last episode of the second round. If this all goes sideways, this is the last episode of the the season, essentially. Everything after this will just be autopsies and looking forward. And even if they win, the next, ser- the next episode is probably going to be mostly about Montreal, or at least half about Montreal's, because Montreal swept Winnipeg, so they're already through. And looking back and celebrating this series. So, there's no more talk to be had. We know what's at stake here. Every player, most of, most of this team was here last year. And even the guys that weren't, like a, a Brandon Saad, has won two Stanley Cups in Chicago already. He knows what it takes to get it done. Everyone here has been through it, they know what it takes, and they should be able to come out there in Game 6 in a tough place to win and get the job done. I fully believe in them. And, you know what, and if they don't get it done, I'm not going to feel stupid for believing in them. Unless they put up a dud, then I'll be like, I was bamboozled. But as long as they put forth a solid effort, I have full belief that they will win this series. Not just Game 6, but this series. Because if you win game six, your game seven is now on home ice, which you have not had in a long time. And Vegas has the pressure on them not to blow this series lead again. I mean, the pressure is obviously on Colorado to win game seven because it's game seven. There's pressure on both of those teams. That's, a, that's actually a really stupid point to make. But regardless, game seven, anything can happen. You just, you, you just never know. It's a coin flip at that point, especially with teams this good. And they're not going to be easy games. When I say they're going to win game six, I don't mean they're going to win five to one. I mean, they might go in there and take a a two to one game and have to get some heroics from an unlikely source, like a a JT Comfer or a Tyson Jost or even like a, a Belmar. 
those are the kind of heroes that you need, but you also need your big guns to be stepping up and firing too. And if you get at least one goal from them, I think they're going to win this game. But there's really only so much I can say about it at this point. They just have to go out there and get the job done. But before we do wrap up today, some less anxiety-inducing news. Kale McCarr nominated for the Norris Trophy, as we all expect, with the candidates of Adam Fox and Victor Hedman by his side. This is going to be a pretty interesting vote, I think. Victor Hedman is on there because of his reputation. He did not have that great of a regular season. Adam Fox has been the popular pick for a while now, and Kale McCarr missed games early in the season before like the halfway point that apparently still affects him in voting, I guess. I think Adam Fox is going to win it just looking at the the attitudes I've seen from a lot of the media people during the season, a lot of attention to Adam Fox, and I've oh, every time the Norris was brought up during the season and Kale McCarr's name was brought up, it was always, yeah, but that injury in February slash March is going to affect him. He missed like, what did he miss, like six, seven games? Why has that got to derail the entire Norris campaign? But however, regardless of that, Kale McCarr can be the first defenseman since motherfucking Bobby Orr to win the Calder and Norris in back-to-back seasons. If that's not something special, that is some truly generational shit right there if he can pull that off. And ultimately, I do think that Adam Fox is going to get it just because of the attitude I've seen all season, like I've said. I don't, I don't think Hedman is going to get it. If Hedman gets it, there is some shenaniganery bullshit happening there because that just shows no one watches the games i love victor hedman and like when you look around the league there's scarcely another defenseman you would want on your team besides victor hedman and like you you're drafting players from scratch from their young age victor hedman probably still goes first overall among defensemen i mean kale mccarr love the guy it's his second season hedman's been around for a minute you know what you're getting with him but he's been he was hurt in the back half of the season. His defensive metrics are not that good. I really would have preferred to see Charlie McAvoy in there. That would have been my ballot. My my ballot I'll see my ballot for first is kinda up in the air. I mean I think I would give it to Adam Fox. Just I've watched McCarr, love him. He'd be second on my ballot, but he still has a, a ways to go with some of his defensive game. I don't know if I'd be totally comfortable with saying definitively yes this man was the best defenseman in the nhl because my definition of best defenseman in the nhl relies more on defense and not point totals and you know i realized that adam fox had the most points in any defense did he still have that did tyson berry pass him at like the the final game or so i think i i remember something about that i'm not 100 percent sure but Fox was very strong this season. I watched a fair share of Rangers games this season, and Fox was, like, he has nothing to work with with that Rangers defense. It's not good. And with them signing those Lundquist and everything and them just getting stronger, Keandre Miller's going to get a year stronger. Considering the defense that they had in New York, it makes what Fox did even more impressive. Like, I'm not a, I'm not usually a, the kind of person that will compare defensive partners 
in terms of how I vote, but you also do have to consider that Makar has Devontae's and Gerard to work with at times, and Fox does not have that luxury whatsoever. That's where my tiebreaker comes from. I'm just, like, I'm doing my best not to just get caught up in bias, be like, well, Kale McCarr, I love that guy, so obviously he gets my vote. I'm trying not to do that. But if McCarr wins it, which he very well might, he will be the first defenseman since Bobby Orr to win the Calder and the Norris in back-to-back seasons. Only the second defenseman ever. Orr's the only one who's ever done it. No other defenseman since then, ever. No Lidstroms, no Charas, no any, no anybody. No Chris Prongers, nobody. So I hope he can get it done. I, He's not going to finish lower than second. If he's below Hedman, I might just have an aneurysm or something because that's ridiculous. Honestly, I don't know if I would have had Hedman on my ballot this season. Fox slash McCarr for one and two. I go. I feel like I go back and forth on it every single day. I would have had McAvoy three in Boston. And number four is kind of a tough one. I really like Adam Pellick in New York. A lot of defensemen in, with the Islanders deserve a lot more praise than they've been getting. But I, I think I would have Jacob Chikrin on there. And I think that just comes from uh, DraftKings. Because I would play Chikrin literally every single night because that dude racked up shots on goal and blocks and would win me so much money. So maybe it's a good thing I don't have a ballot because I clearly have a lot of biases to work out. But I might have put Chikrin fifth just as an appreciation vote for all the money he won me this season. But regardless, great to see Makar get the love. I was a little worried they weren't going to nominate him because of that injury crap they kept talking all season long. I was a little worried, so it's good to see that he did ultimately get the nomination, and this is not going to be the last time Kale McCarr gets a Norris nomination. He's going to get several more. It's like, as his defensive game rounds out into form, I still fully believe what I've said back in February, that Kale McCarr has the potential to be a generational Hall of Fame defenseman. I mean, his raw game right now got him a Norris nomination. Imagine when he's in his prime. Scary shit. But this is a conversation that can ultimately be revisited in the offseason, whether that is two days from now or in another month from now. Awards talk kind of heats up when everyone gets announced and then it heats back up again when the awards start to come around. But... Ultimately, Norris is not what's important right now. The, the Avalanche could never win an individual award ever again, and I wouldn't be bothered, not in the slightest, if I would trade all of those for a Stanley Cup, and everyone on that team would tell you the same thing. So, it's time to go to work. It's time to show up for business and take care of business in Game 6 and force a Game 7. Yeah, And if they don't, we're done. There's nothing else to talk about at that point. They can't get the job done, then, oh well, fuck, right? Game five sucked. They deserve to win that game. But one final point I'll make is that the series score does now accurately reflect the amount of times a team deserved to win a game in this series. Vegas deserved to win game two. They didn't. We deserved to win game five. We didn't. So Vegas has deserved to win three games in this series, and we have deserved to win two. And it reflects that right now. You can't say the series score is unfair. 
God, and I, I still, the game three, we were so close to being up 3 nothing in that series. Saad hits that goddamn post. Goddamn. We, ugh. Now I, just made, now I just made myself angry again, bringing that back up in my mind. But anyway, it's time to take care of business. Time to go to work and get the job done, bring this series back home for a Game 7, and finish it off in a seventh game. Because there's no episodes after Game 6. I record again on Sunday, and Game 7 would be on Saturday. So, this has the potential to be the final episode of this season. I don't think it's going to be. I think we've got a series coming up against Montreal next time I record. But I can't fight fate, and there's nothing I can do about the Avalanche's performance. They have to back up my belief. So I hope this isn't the last one. I've still got plans for what I want to do in these playoffs. Some very, very fun plans I think you guys would love if they the deeper they go in these playoffs. So I hope I still get to do all of that. But... Regardless, that is going to do it for me today on this edition of the Tell It Avs It Is podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter at NHL and follow the show at Tell It Avs It Is. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next time, which has the potential to go a lot of different ways. We will either be dissecting how the Avalanche lost and what comes next, or option B, the much better option, we'll be looking back at how they came back from down 3-2 against Vegas and how they stack up against the Montreal Canadiens in the next round. For better or worse, thank you so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next time. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the games.